1: Welcome, everybody, to this May 30th, 2013 edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and off here to my left is Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean?
2: I'm good. I'm good. And over to my left is
1: Shauna Lovely. Hello. Hey, Shauna.
3: Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever we
1: are. We get a little of all of that, really.
3: We Mm -hmm. do, yeah, absolutely, here for our little uh,
2: pre-show warm-up chat, Just here to say hi.
3: Chit-chat, hello. Hello. What's going on? What's new and exciting in our world?
1: Goodness gracious, current events. Do we have current events?
3: You just showed me one, I don't know.
2: Oh, Bon
1: Jovi. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Bon That's
2: kind of cool.
1: That was very cool. Yeah. Come on. Uh, oh,
2: Bon Jovi. Um, he'll tell it. He'll tell it better. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You,
1: you know, they've had all this economic turmoil in, in Europe, and it's mostly been in just a few countries. And Spain, in particular, is like, I don't know, 40% unemployment among young people. And so the promoter people had taken Madrid off the calendar because they were like, you know, there's no way we can sell out the stadium and stuff. And... Um, so anyway Bon Jovi's looking at the calendar and he's like where's Madrid we always go to Madrid they said yeah they can't afford it in Madrid so he got with the guys in the band and they decided to go play Madrid anyway and not charge the band's fee so they're going to go play for free so that the tickets only have to cover the stadium so they're like I don't know 20 bucks to go see Bon Jovi that's wonderful that's pretty sweet yeah it's awesomeness total awesomeness
3: Absolute yeah, because he doesn't need more money. No. Yeah. <laughs> that
1: was, and, and those people may need some more music and merriment. So
4: Absolutely. absolutely.
1: It, it seems the perfect uh, union right there. But Bon Jovi actually does uh, quite a bit. He's got uh, restaurants up there. I think two of them now. Uh, but I know he's got the one uh, up in New Jersey that... You don't have to pay if you can't pay, but yeah, you get served.
3: Yeah, pay if I've heard of that.
1: Well. You get served what's being served that night, and it's a you know gourmet restaurant with you know the really creative, odd looking dishes and things. Uh, they're yummy, I'm sure, but weird looking some of this fashion food. Uh, but um, so you can just come in and eat for nothing, and come back and wash dishes the next day, or run the register for an hour or or just have one and say you'll handle it whenever. So you can offer labor, you can offer money, you can offer a smile and uh, that's pretty awesome too. So it's spreading. I think it's spreading.
2: He's he's such a good role model for younger artists, really. Um, And he just gets better as he gets older. Like... Yeah, cause It's quite awesome. Everything that he's done contribution-wise um, with his music and his messages and his various programs is just absolutely amazing. It's very, very cool. I love it when big-name guys with lots of money are just like, hey, let's do this for free because I can.
1: <laughs> right. How come you're doing that? Because I can. Why not? Because I can.
2: <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Absolutely. Um, so, that's new on the world stage. It's not too much new around the homestead. It's been pretty mellow around here. We didn't go wandering much today. I massacred more spiders. Yeah, she's been she's been killing spiders. Um, oh, my. She's <laughs> a spider murderer uh, trying to get her bedroom ready for um, when we bring all her stuff up. And, of course, she's going to be living in what used to be a greenhouse. So um, it needs a lot of work. And yeah. part of that work, apparently, is uh, the spider removal. Is being so. able
1: to sleep spider-free because most people, you yeah. know, pre- prefer that. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I, I do.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't mind them. Um, so, good thing, though, because there's a lot of crevices and over your head and stuff because I would have... I would have pooped my pants if I was afraid of them. So I don't mind if there's a couple sticking around while I'm sleeping. But uh, yeah, for the most part, that's my room. I'm taking care of that.
1: Yeah, well, it's just oh. taking out your territory. Very natural. Yes.
3: Yeah, and my cat is taking up her territory. Also, uh, we have three dogs, one cat, and now mine has been brought in. And she is she's a fat mama. And uh these all these animals are used to being outside and running around and she's not so much, but she's uh she's loving the fresh air and the fresh grass and she's taken to the rest of the beasts uh more swimmingly than I would have imagined, seeing as she's never been around any. So that's been exciting. Um awesome. it seems we're all settling in here. It's it's how it's all supposed to be
1: love it when a plan comes together.
3: Uh-huh. What
2: plan? We didn't have a freaking plan.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that. See, there's this, there's this Death Cab for Cutie song um, that always comes to mind whenever I hear about plans. And there's a line in it that says, uh, plans are just a prayer to father time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's what I remember. Every single time. <laughs>
2: um as successful as I'm sure this endeavor is going to be, we're, we're going to look back on this in years and laugh at the fact oh that gosh. we didn't have a plan. We really didn't have a plan. Yeah. Uh huh. This is a plan-free endeavor.
3: Yeah, I was actually thinking up on the the porch with the sunset and the the crickets and the frogs and the birds and the bees <laughs> <laughs> um, that. I I have no idea what's going to happen. And there's so many potentials in so many different directions (laughs) that it's uh, it's really fun to just fuck it. (laughs) It
1: it is. It is. And, I mean, that is the thing that we've been, you know, telling people for ages. And I have to say, I have to admit, I was telling people before I was actually able to do it. But uh, uh, to be able to be comfortable and actually even – have some excitement in the, I don't know Uh because that's the place where all the ah! infinite potential lives is in the, I don't know. Yeah.
2: I don't know is rocking right now for us. Mm -hmm. It's it's literally one day at a time. And it's like hour by hour. It is like we get up and we don't know what we're going to do with the day, but we always manage to accomplish something. Even if it's just resting our bodies and getting our minds to a peaceful space. I mean,
3: it's, and it's just flowing. It, I mean, well, I woke up at seven this morning. I hung out in bed for maybe an hour being lazy. And then I spent four hours or something like that cleaning the room. Mm-hmm. And then I took a break and had some lunch and we went, went into town. town. And that's like a day accomplished. That's a yeah. lot. That's of it. That's a lot.
1: Work. Yeah, it is. Mm
3: hmm. Yeah. And that, being said, is why I'm not going to stick around for the whole show, because I am pulled. She's, yeah,
1: she's, I bet. Totally, she's
3: She's taking the evening off, and she's going to make friends with the uh,
2: wonderful, beautiful patio in the sunset. Ah, mm-hmm. who's Well, I sit down below her and watch the sunset during the show. So, yeah, it's all good.
3: So, on that note, I bid you adieu. And it was lovely chatting. Yes, yes. She again. She said, See you again Tuesday, everyone. Absolutely. Bye. Sweet dreams, angel.
1: You can keep them if you want. I expect great things, because I expect the unexpected out of the two of you running around with a video camera and recording devices, and because you're going to have to take the video camera to film it, because otherwise we're not going to believe what you get yourselves into. I, I would imagine.
2: I know, yeah, um, and yes, lesson learned. So, I mean, that I didn't bring the video camera in because I, I didn't Oh, I didn't
1: mean it like plug that. It in.
2: No, no, but it, it's true. It, that was just proof of what's going to happen. So, you know, um, and I'm going to have to plug that camera in and keep it charged because it, random things can happen. Tomorrow we're going to, um, I got an email today from our antique lady. And she says that my lamp is ready. So, and I promised her I would introduce her to Shauna because she's fascinated by artists. So, um, I guess I'm taking Shauna to see the antique lady tomorrow and introduce her. So, maybe I should plug the camera in
1: tonight. uh, Yeah, you should try to remember that again. But, uh, and I'm going to Kerrville tomorrow. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's more of that being comfortable in the unknown. I have no earthly idea how I'm gonna. You know, hey Dad, I'm moving to Costa Rica. It's probably how I'm going to do it. Actually, is hey Dad, we're moving to Costa Rica, um, and um, then we'll let the conversation grow organically from there. <laughs> to quote, my Canadian sister. Well,
2: conversations growing organically. Yes, yes. Um,
1: because that time, I
2: think our our guest has probably passed the patience test, and I'll let you introduce <laughs> her. While I switch over from the open mic to the headset, and we'll get on about. Play in with a new
1: friend. Get on about this business. Yes, yes. Uh, We've got to actually, we need to update our, our guest information PDF to say that, you know, Sean is probably going to have a 15-minute report at the beginning of whatever random weirdness they've gotten into because um, part of our expansion, we're having uh, this new deal called Stranger Connection and um, Shauna and Gene are going to go wander about through life as we do, and um, then when they have these random encounters with awesomeness, they're going to film it and share it with us because, uh, you know, it's always been our thing. We don't – we've missed a couple of quote-unquote famous guests because we wouldn't rearrange people and change schedules and treat them differently. And uh, Shauna said it best on her introductory episode when she said, I think everybody's got something to say if you – shut up and listen, and uh, I think that's very true. So time for me to shut up and listen, because we have with us tonight Kimberly Burnham, Ph.D., sometimes known as the Nerve Whisperer, sometimes known as the Bicycle Lady, um, and and certainly someone that we would have multiple shows to be able to...
2: She did say that, didn't she?
1: ...that she's doing. What? (laughs) Anyway, welcome, Kimberly. How are you?
4: I'm good. Thank you for having me.
1: That's wonderful for you to be here. Thanks for sharing your time with us. No, I thought Jean had the headset back on. Uh, she may have it back on and it may just do strangeness because the first question is generally hers. Um, and uh
2: Super excited.
1: Oh, there she is. Super excited, she said. Awesome. Is there more?
2: I do. Um, Hello? It's not working.
1: Yeah, it's working. Oh, I love it when we play this game. We call this game that when she can hear us, we can't hear her. But when we hear her, she can't hear us. Um, It's a fun game that we play with uh, Skype from time to time because she's on the satellite Internet out in the (gasps) Huh? No, it's on a delay. Uh, you're on a delay tonight? <laughs> All right. So um we'll just uh dive right into it. Uh Jane would if she was uh reliably here uh, ask you. What are you, And what do you do?
4: Well, I'm kind of in transition, uh, not so much transition, but what I'm going to be doing this summer is something very different for me. So I have a an integrative medicine practice in West Hartford, Connecticut, but I'm taking 9 weeks off to bicycle across okay. the country. So hard for me to say exactly who I am.
1: Good answer. Good answer. Oh, time delay. No, no, it went away. Yeah. Well, that's Gene again. Um, no, but I say that's a good answer because um Well Um Sorry I'm clicking clicking buttons over here. Um trying to pull everybody back together. Um because we were, you know, just chatting about the unknown, and uh, I put that who am I, at least partly in the unknown category, and uh, because that's kind of the adventure to me. Who am I today?
4: Sure, and, you know, we're all in transition in some way, and, you know, really, who are we? We can show up differently every day if we want.
1: well in every every moment almost I'm not Mr. Radio host guy all the time, most of the time but <laughs> mm. uh but it's true, and uh, uh face different days different times again, we're playing the background games. So tell us about this. How did you get involved in you know, did you just wake up one day and say I'm going to ride my bike for 3300 miles?
4: <laughs> um sort of, but the day that I woke up and said that, uh I had ridden 53 miles the day before with Hazon, which is uh, it means he it means vision in Hebrew. And it's an organization that raises money for sustainable agriculture. And they had a what they call the New York Ride, which is a day riding through the Berkshires and then the next day riding um, down through the Hudson Valley into New York City. And I had been preparing, this was last uh, Labor Day, and I'd been preparing through the summer, but not really preparing that well, and I never expected that I would be able to ride those 53 miles, and something changed for me in, when I was able to do that, that last mile, I, something changed for me, and the next day I got up and rode 40 miles. Um, and that was the it was beautiful, down uh, through the Hudson Valley, which is all green and farms, really down into New York City, which is, of course, such an urban area. And there were some people talking about the Cross USA, Hazone's Cross USA ride. And I just, I thought, I'm going to do that. So, I did kind of just wake up one day, but there were some things that contributed to that uh, choice.
1: That's just awesome. That's how I decided to go to Costa Rica. Really? It, really. We had nine days' warning and went on a short visit, and then now I'm moving there a month later, something like that. Um,
4: and have you decided how long you're staying or.
1: Mm, not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> there she is.
4: It can change.
2: Till til he decides to move to the next place. No, well, that's a good way to be. He's in the I don't know space. Because yep. apparently that's a good place to be this year. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so sorry about the technical difficulties, guys. That's the first time I've tried to switch mid-show. And now I know what to do and what not to do. So, <laughs> apologize for that. <laughs>
1: all right. So I've had to switch mid-show when it certainly wasn't planned. Right. Batteries run out. It's all about happen.
2: working out the kinks right now. It's what we're working on. So I missed almost all that. So I'm going to have to, Rick, you're going to have to go ahead for the next couple of minutes till I catch up.
1: <laughs> well, we were just talking about how she woke up to the idea that she was going to ride across the, uh, the States. And, um, Uh, Tell us a little bit more about this uh, organization and the the, uh, ideas that it supports, because we support those ideas.
4: Yes, absolutely. And the other thing that that day when when I'd ridden 53 miles and then the next day rode 40 miles, um, I, I thought a lot about my family and about my grandfather died of diabetes and my uncle lost his leg to the disease that affects 18 million people. And I had been getting more sedentary, gaining a little bit of weight uh, every year. And one of the things that really motivated me was I saw an opportunity to change the trajectory of my life so that I could do something to avoid following the in the footsteps of my grandfather and my uncle, and um, avoid something like diabetes, and that's one of the things that uh, Hazone talks about is healthy eating and really giving everyone the knowledge and the ability to eat as healthy as possible. Uh, one of the other statistics that uh, we talk about is that there are roughly the same number of people in this country, in, in the United States, who are obese as compared to people who have food insecurity or, in other words, don't know where their next meal will come from. And these are statistics that are literally affecting millions of people and we're trying to do something to change that. And one of the ways that we're doing that is supporting uh, sustainable agriculture, local food projects where people have more of a chance to interact with the farmer so that they start to get to know where does their food come from.
2: It's, It's interesting um, that we're having you on tonight because part of our wanders through um, town, out in the hills here, trying to get Shauna integrated um, into this new way of life. It's interesting. She's living in the, um, uh uh-oh, there go the dogs.
1: (laughs) Timing is everything. Uh, She's going to be staying in in what was the greenhouse in this home, and uh, they're going to be, uh, doing some, they're wanting to do some uh, organic gardening and uh, uh, so I would imagine. Yeah. Ah,
3: hi. Well,
2: hi, sorry about that. What, what's interesting though is that Shauna lives an organic lifestyle living in the country or living in the city. I mm-hmm. We don't eat organically here um, because I had not yet found a source of free range meats um, mm-hmm. that I could get small portions of because the stores in the small towns out here just don't sell them. Um, so but in our wanders we actually found and and when we talk about health, well being and nutrition and these these foods and how they make you feel better. I always say to people if you if you're hesitant to, you know, change your entire diet, at the very least to go out and find a source of fresh grown from the farmer vegetables because the word organic quote unquote in a store doesn't always mean that you're getting everything that the word organic promises that you're getting. Um, Find a local farmer, get some of their vegetables and find some free range meat. And it doesn't matter if it's free range, chicken, beef, whatever, cook that up, have a meal. And in the taste alone, you will be able to tell the difference because the taste shows you and the way that it cooks shows you the difference in the food quality that you're getting when you go and you change this to this other way of eating. Um, Cause we picked up some free range chicken and it's chicken like I grew up with. Mm, right. You know, right. I mean, right. I grew up on farm in farm country. We got our meat from the farmer's. I don't remember there ever being white gunky stuff coming out of the chicken as it was cooking, but cooked chicken from a store, like any average grocery store nowadays, and you get white gunky, yucky stuff coming out of it as it cooks, Um, like excess amounts of of really nasty fats, and um, your your meat cooks down to almost nothing because it's all water. Um, You know, it's just the difference in quality is enough, I would think. If if people can't quite click over to that, what it does actually does for your body, try the taste first. <laughs> it's, it's
4: right, fun. absolutely, and and I think that making that connection with the person that actually produced it, w- whether it's the farmer growing uh, the food or um, raising the the meat or the animals, having that connection you get so much more information about what it is that you're eating. And I agree. I think it's really, if it was just on taste alone, that's a reason to to switch to local or organic. Um, but also you get so much more information. And with that more information, I think we can all make better choices for ourselves and for our families.
2: Absolutely, I found that talking to the people in these small-town stores is that if you actually talk to the people who are running these stores and you talk to farmers um, who are growing this food, it's you know it's it's quite the education.
4: Yes, absolutely, and I know here in Connecticut, um, there I belong to a CSA community-supported agriculture program that was originally funded by Hazone, the organization that I'm riding cross-country with. Um, but there's also another uh, CSA, and urban farm, that's called Urban Oaks, that's near my house. And they have a green, several green greenhouses and a plot of land. That they're farming organically in a very urban area. And one of the things that I really is my heart is that they accept food stamps um, like oh, people can so can use food stamps to buy this locally in a very urban area grown uh organic and they have just the most amazing beets and sweet potatoes and lettuces and kale um and that's
2: so important coming from someone yeah. who lived off of food banks before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When you have to eat at a food bank, um, and goodness gracious, bless those people for people who need food, but yeah. let's face it, people don't always donate high-quality produce, and the truth right. of it is that when you're living off a of food bank, you don't get to live that healthy. At least you get to eat, but it's not healthy eating, um so I I'm just absolutely loving the idea of of people who would take food stamps. Yep.
4: Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is um food deserts both in rural areas as well as urban areas where you know, when when someone wants an apple, the only place within the distance of their home is a, a gas station store. I think there's something wrong with that picture. And that's another thing, another reason that I'm writing, to to try and educate and change some of those situations so that There really are ways that everyone, whether they're in a a rural area where there's only one crop that's being grown in a huge area, or uh, whether they're in an urban area that a lot of grocery stores haven't gone into, um, we need to talk about that more and, and see what we can do.
2: I agree, totally agree, having come out here from the city where I had access to to all organic food and now being surrounded by farmers, but in the off set, off season not having access yeah. um, and and I think that I think that it's important that um farmers see value too in being able to connect directly with the consumer. I mean, it's kind of a two-way street um, that I, I think they would be more inclined to do so if they could be assured that they would still be able to feed their own family and pay their own bills if people, you know, would pay to come directly to get the produce from the farmer. I'm a I'm big advocate of cutting out the, the middleman, you know. I'd like to... Go down my country road and get eggs from the one neighbor, and get vegetables from another neighbor, and maybe offer them some herbs. Um, I, I think that I think that what we've done with our food chain, with all of our our transportation and um, various methods of, of messing with, um, you know, what the earth provides for us, has really messed with our health. And it, it it's sad to think that it took us this long to figure it out. To figure out that it's the actual food that we eat that's causing us to have all these various health issues. Um, you know, I, you would you would think that would just be common sense, but I guess they say that common sense is not always so common. <laughs> and um, it, well, I mean, I really think about it. Think about an animal. You feed an animal what its natural metabolism is is able to, you know, metabolize. If what its body is meant to to eat, you feed it that, and the animal's healthy. So, doesn't that make sense that it would the same rules would apply for a human being?
1: You would think so, right? You I know
2: <laughs> a friend of
4: mine said she stopped eating donuts when. One day she was eating one, and a piece dropped in it, and it fell on the ground, and the dog wouldn't eat it and she threw it outside, and it just sat there like nothing outside ate it, and she just thought, "Okay, I think this is a sign that I shouldn't be eating this either."
2: Right, and I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and say that I don't eat the occasional junk food. I do. I still eat wheat, even though I know, having gone through the wheat free paleo diet um, because of my fibromyalgia, I know that it works. Uh, however, I'm stubborn, pig-headed, and I'm bound to go back to my own ways <laughs> <laughs> if my old ways are readily available to me and it's at easy access. And um, prices are always a challenge. If you don't have the money, these um, fresh foods and, you know, I mean, we were looking at an organic um, free-range chicken in the store today, in the grocery store, just an average grocery store for a chicken. Just chicken, frozen chicken. It wasn't a spectacularly large chicken. It was just a chicken. It was $35.51.
4: Oh.
1: Yeah, if if you don't have some local access it's um uh particularly it's been overly commercialized this you know whole free range and organic and um uh, and like you said some of the labels don't even really mean anything but they've turned it into a huge money maker as opposed to yeah. um uh you know uh, uh, an avenue for people to be able to get healthy and um Uh, I know that there was an article in the New York Times recently that um, uh, food producers that have decided to go with their consumer's preference and seek out GMO-free ingredients have been having trouble finding them and finding enough of them. um, uh, But I think there's a lot to be said for this uh, access as well, because I know there's large parts of houston that if you're on foot it's the corner convenience store that has candy and beer or mcdonald's Mm -hmm. or you know if you're on a different set of blocks it's taco bell instead of mcdonald's but you know hey big improvement there and i still eat taco bell so calm down but you yeah you don't want to live off the stuff it's a it's something I go do every couple of weeks because I'm going to go do it because I'm stubborn, whatever. but
2: That's it. That's it. I, I like my junk food occasionally because I like the ability to eat junk food. However, I would prefer my main diet to be healthy and to be fresh and to be free of GMOs and to be free of, of pesticides. I would very much prefer to be able to afford free-range meat. Without having to have chickens in my backyard. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just the fact that we can't access it is it, – uh, we're starving ourselves in first-world countries. We're considered to be first-world countries, Canada and the United States. We're supposed to be, you know, at the top. We have all this stuff available to us, and yet I ate better in the Philippines and Costa Rica – then I eat in Canada, and the food there was easily available to me. I stopped on the side of the road and got fresh fruit that wasn't all jacked up with chemicals. So what does that say about, you know, this is? The, I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing, and we need more of it because this is something that we need to talk about. Why can't I go into the grocery store and get a free-range chicken for a reasonable price to feed my family decent, healthy meat? Right, and for me, it's
4: all about choice, and sometimes that choice is financial. Like financially, it's not a choice if it's too expensive, Um, or if labeling isn't there, and you you can't know what you're getting. That takes your choice away, and I think so much of it comes down to consumers deserve a choice. The other thing that, Jean, you brought up about transportation, and when things are transported large distance, that significantly adds to the cost. And I think the average that goes back to the farmer is 20 to 30 percent of the price of what the food that we buy in the grocery store. And the rest is packaging and transportation. You know, all about the delivery. So I think, again, when we get closer to the source, it can significantly decrease the price as well.
2: I'm mention what it does to our food. I mean, let's face it, I, there's a, a massive difference in, in flavor and no doubt nutritional value between a fruit that's been picked not yet ripe enough to be picked and then ripened on a train or a bus or a plane or, you know, um, in, in the back of a store. And between that and a fruit that is grown on a tree and you pick it from the tree and it's ready to eat.
4: Yes, absolutely. Huge difference. Uh, I know that's one of the reasons that I really enjoy my garden is that I can just go out uh, before dinner and pick some things and i know where it came from and i know that it's fit brush
2: right and you know that it's not damaging your body anymore because the body is a self healing system it'll fix itself it's designed yeah. to do that if you give it the nutrients it needs and if all you're feeding it is vitamin robbed fruit and vegetables that were picked before they were ready to be picked or ready to be consumed, meats that are tainted um, with with all sorts of junk from the grains that they're fed and, and other horrific things. I mean, I've heard some stories about how to fatten up a a pig. You just don't want to like, even think about some of the things that they feed our meats um, in order to get them to get bigger. And... You know, if you think about that in that context, that you're putting, not only are you exposed to things in the air that, you know, two generations ago our ancestors weren't exposed to, chemicals in our water that our ancestors weren't exposed to, but now not even our food is chemical-free, and they don't have the same vitamin and mineral content that they originally had when they were first grown. So no wonder we're sick. And our bodies can't heal itself because there's no fuel for it to do so. It's like the body's struggling just to get by. And that's why people say they're so tired and why they feel like they're achy all the time and they're tired and they have all these different neurological disorders. Well, it's, it's a very sim- simple. That's your body skimming by, basically just getting by every day because that's all it has the energy to do because you haven't given it the nutrients it needs to be able to get healthy.
4: Right. Absolutely. And one of the areas that I especially look at is uh, brain health and nervous system disorders and vision-related issues. And I use a lot of alternative medicine approaches, but certainly one of them is a healthy diet. Uh, that, That just makes the way your brain is able to function.
2: Oh, it absolutely does. Absolutely. Rick could chime in here too. He's he's struggled with nerve disorders for a while and he he knows how much diet has has affected his healing process. He could chime in. I think. If he wasn't on mute. Oh,
1: um
2: you <laughs> to be reminded sometime. Rick, what? you're on mute.
1: Well, and there's two mutes. There's the flipping up the mic, and then there's the button over here, and uh, which one, and this time it was both, and I only got one of them turned off. Um, but it is, it's, um, your body needs the fuel to be able to repair itself, but it also um, needs to not have, you know, if if all it can do is fight off the junk that you're putting in and purify that back out, then it doesn't have anything left over for, uh Repair, you know? Right. And like you said, then there you are. You're exhausted. You're barely making it, you know? And uh, and then maybe on the weekend, if you're lucky, you're one of these folks that goes out of the city and to some little small town and has lunch at a restaurant, and that maybe keeps you going <laughs> for a little while. Because I'm a I'm big fan of those signs they post all over the place that say, you know, eat organic food, or as our grandparents called it, Food. Food. <laughs> It's like making this separation between spiritual life and physical life, and work life and home life. And why is there got to be this, you know, food and organic food? It all used to just be food. And uh, you know, I remember there was times a year you just couldn't get certain things in the store. Oh well, we seem to get along okay. Um, And I think there's still ways that we can have all the exotic fruits and things that we want. Um, if you're, you know, willing to invest in vertical farms and hydroponics and, and things like that, but um, you we know, certainly some, have
2: the technology now to be able to grow these fruits and vegetables indoors in condensed spaces.
1: But you know, I mean, it, but still in a in a natural way without all the chemical additives,
2: without all the chemicals and hoo-haws and all that stuff. I mean, if you really need to have mangoes. Um, then we'll find a way to get to grow them if we could invest all the money that we invest in shipping stuff i'm pretty sure that we would be able to to produce the food that's needed right,
4: and certainly the food that's needed and, and in a wide variety, maybe you know not every kind of of food, but um, certainly a wide variety. I know, even just from my own garden, uh, I have probably I don't know 15, 20 different things in a garden that uh, that I can grow locally in in Connecticut, and that's certainly through the summer, uh, you know, not much. Through the winter. Although I just uh, started growing Jerusalem artichokes uh, this year, and those you can harvest well into the winter uh, winter months.
2: Really? I'm going to have to look into that. Thanks for mangi- mentioning that because um, I like me some spinach and artichoke dip. <laughs> oh, it's oh, not artichokes, yeah. it's Jerusalem artichokes. Which okay, are what are the, Jerusalem artichokes? Then? Jerusalem
4: artichokes are more. They're kind of well. You know what hickama is? No. No, you
2: um, got me. It is
4: if you imagine a potato, like something with the consistency of a potato, but it tastes more like a cucumber. Oh. Um that, that's I, I would say what Jerusalem artichokes are are kind of like that and jicama, which is another uh crop from, from the Caribbean I think. Um, they're both roots and and they're they look about like a potato. Um I, a small I, potato, the Jerusalem artichokes. But you can eat them fresh. I mean, you don't have to cook them. Oh,
2: that's exciting. Um, you
4: just eat them, eat them. And they have kind of a, a crunchiness like a, a potato. Uh, it's not cooked, but of course potatoes, you can't really eat them raw. But uh, the Jerusalem, art, Jerusalem artichokes, you can. And they, they have kind of a crunch like a potato would. And they look a little bit like a potato but they have a taste more like a cucumber or something very mild like that.
2: That sounds like a very fun vegetable or it orange, is. I guess
4: it's, yes, yeah, it's a fun.
2: I'll have to check again, I'll have to check that out cuz <laughs> if you can grow them there then we can grow them here probably. Yes,
4: probably. <laughs> and I also have goji berries that I'm growing which you might know that the the best ones apparently come from Tibet the mountains. And they're very high in antioxidants. Um, But I can grow them here in Connecticut. And they're very prolific. The plants, uh, you know, it takes a year or two for them to kind of grow big. But um, they're very prolific. And they have these little berries that really, you can't think of them like a raspberry or a strawberry, something like that. You really have to think of them like tiny tomatoes. Because they have a very vegetable taste to them. They they don't taste like blueberries or raspberries or something sweet like that.
2: Right. It's it's interesting to um be on this journey and be discovering what what can grow in these climates as opposed right. to what we believe <laughs> have been told can grow um in these climates. And, and with a little bit of clever planning, I'm sure that we could really widen our
1: well. And some of the
2: our choices. Some you know? of the
1: creative solutions people are with. Um, you know, I think of Will Allen with his uh, you know urban agriculture, and he's got fish tilapia in a trench under the plants, mm. and the plants up above, mm. and it's a it's just a cycle. And the, the fish feed the plants, the plants feed the fish, the and and, uh, is producing for people that are in one of these urban food deserts, uh, you know, fresh fish and fresh vegetables. And, uh, uh, you know, Milwaukee's not particularly like, you know, Sunbelt. It gets a little Mm, chilly up there, you know. But you can – I've seen reports where they trudge through the snow to go in there and then, you know – the lens on the camera fogs up when they go in to go see the fish and the plants and the uh you know so it it that's the importance to me to initiatives like this is and 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 something we try to do with uh you know passing the these different names and ideas around is that it um there are ways if there's the willingness to do it 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 may not be precisely the way it's always been done uh, you know they used to go get the fish out of the river and put the fish head over there to feed the corn but he's found a way you can do it all with them all living at the same time in the greenhouse and it's it's magical stuff
4: right are so creative there's a a greenhouse in the detroit area where they've built the greenhouse over a landfill site, a, a site that was filled with garbage and then capped off, I guess, with some piece over the the dump, and then the pipe comes out, and the, I guess it's methane that's produced by the garbage rotting is what they use to fuel heating the greenhouse. And I was just going to
2: say, that's an abundant source of heat over yes. over a garbage dump. It's an abundant right. source of heat.
4: And so they're not growing the herbs in the dirt, but they're growing it hydroponically. Um, so there's really no contact, obviously, between the herbs and the, and the garbage. But those herbs are very high-end. They go to fancy restaurants in the area um but are so creative there's also in uh western ontario there's a greenhouse where it's near a nuclear power plant and they've piped they piped the hot water from the nuclear power plant into the greenhouse and again that water never contacts anything in the greenhouse just the pipes go through but that hot water going through the pipes through the greenhouse heats the greenhouse enough, and they grow uh, tomatoes and peppers.
2: I'd like to find out where that like is. That. It's
4: in, uh, I think it's in like a Leamington area.
2: Okay, I'm going to have to check that so out. So, um if you know where it is, maybe? Mm, like, like, Grew up in Ontario, so I knew a few. I know a few of the power plants. I grew up near one of them in Western Ontario, but we have enough. <laughs> so
0: um, yeah, I'll, I'll Google it. I'll
2: find it. I'd like yeah. to talk to the genius behind that because that's that's quite ingenious as well. And this is this is what we mean when there are solutions. There are tons of solutions right, out there. People right. would just get out of their fear of well, you know. I mean, we've got this system set up, and what happens if we if we start messing with it? Well. The system that we have set up, I hate to be blunt about it, but it ain't working. Our kids are sick. Our elderly people are suffering. There's no reason why an elderly person should suffer for the last 10 years of their life. That's ridiculous. Um, our our kids should not be either fed, malnourished. Or okay. Scarily, they're obese and undernourished, which is a horrific combination. Uh, we've got kids with diabetes. We've got adults who have like the list is is too long to list. So we've got fibromyalgia. We've got um, MS. You know, we've got diabetes. We've got a, like a cancer that we don't even we can't seem to get a grasp on. Well, that's got to be cellular, people. If your cells are if your cells are doing wonky things and they're fighting with each other within your body, then there's got to be a reason for that. I would go back to the initial food chain. I'll, it's always got to go back to what are you putting in your body. And your body can tolerate a certain level of toxins as long as it's got nutrition to counterbalance that. And so if, I'm so happy that there's people like you out there doing stuff like this to raise awareness and to bring it you know, to people's attention. That it's it's not – the truth of it is, it's not that people don't choose to be unhealthy – For the most part, it's simply that they don't have the choice.
4: Right, absolutely. And I think that choice is so important. And part of that, I think, is education. You know, I think there are so many children today who have no idea how things grow and where food really comes from. And that's one of the things that Hazone is doing. They have a, a farm... Uh, program in Connecticut and also um, in the, I think the Baltimore area. Um, They have several farms where there's not only are they producing fruits and vegetables for local CSAs or community supported agriculture programs, but also um, young people intern at the, at the farm and learn how to, grow vegetables, how to make pickles, how to make yogurt, uh, how to take care of goats and chickens.
1: Because yeah, have a whole that generation is, that's convinced that vegetables come from the grocery store. Right, yeah. right. Tell them they grow in the dirt, they just look say, at you like you're crazy.
2: You, you know, when are, I was an, going... Mm-hmm. Going to camp with a young young woman, they're giving you marshmallows and packaged hot dogs and all that stuff. When did going to camp involve eating processed foods? When did that start? We should be sending our kids to farms. If you're sending kids, if you're city, sending city kids to a camp to show them what it's like to live um, outside of the city, then they should be going to farms. They should be learning how the food chain really works. You know what I mean? They should be talking to farmers. They should be learning how to grow vegetables. They should be digging in the dirt. Why are our kids not digging in the dirt anymore? Right.
4: And that's one of the things that Hazone is doing is providing not only internship opportunities, young people who are, say, in their 20s, uh, late teens, early 20s, um, interning and really learning skills the skills that are needed to grow and and produce healthy food, but also um, they have lots of tours of of school children who come and visit the farm and and see, you know, and it's fun for the kids to to see goats and to learn how to pick out a good pumpkin um, or a good watermelon. Like how do you, Know whether it's going to taste good or not, right? There's ways to know, and um, so I know that uh, I went on a farm tour up at the farm that have at Isabella Feed, which is up in uh, um, Western Connecticut, and they they do things that involve the kids and. Because you know, they like to know the secret of how do you pick out a good watermelon, or um you know what does a goat feel like if you pet it um, or why do okay. they put cardboard on the compost heap, you know things like that uh,
2: Absolutely, and it's not too late. Is the thing that I want to point out. I mean, we're yes. talking about children and, and giving them an education, but at the same time, I'm telling you that Shauna has given me one hell of an education just her being here. Um, she is teaching me things about food that I. And I've been doing this show for two years. I've talked to plenty of people like you. But, oh, my goodness, there's so much I still don't know. And I grew up in farm country. So, you know, as an adult, it's never too late to learn. It's never too late to um, tap into that inner knowingness of this is not right. What I'm doing in my body is not particularly healthy. There's got to be a better way. Go out and find out. because. The information's out there, and the people that are doing it and doing it because it's their passion. Uh, people don't start organizations like this because it's a, it's felt like a good idea at the time. It's because it's a calling. Just like being a priest is a calling, this is a calling. This is a lifelong dedication and vision. And these people would love nothing more than to share their wisdom, their knowledge, their experience, and even sometimes their I don't know with you if you just only ask. And it doesn't matter if you're 5 years old, 16 years old, 30 years old, or 70 years old. It's never too late to learn something new. And this is a really important something new to learn. Right. Well, and you know there's that same
4: But you know the second part? Fastest way to become an old dog? Yeah. Stop learning new tricks.
2: It's true. It's true. I mean, as soon as you give up and think you know everything, then why bother living? What's the point? And that's
4: part of health also. So we've talked a lot about nutrition and the impact that that can have on the brain and the spinal cord and the nerves. Um, but also learning new things and really being aware, consciously aware of your surroundings. And that's one of the things that, that I'm looking forward to on this Bicycling Across America is the opportunity to see new things every day. And I hope that I'll really take in what a beautiful land we
2: live in i i envy you my dear um for for what you're doing um you because can come too. It, i can't come to you. <laughs> can i do the radio show from the road um can i build my studio from the road uh probably not this year but i mean I'll hopefully, rides like this will continue, and, and at some point, I'll have the opportunity. I'm yes. absolutely convinced now that I will be healthy enough. If you'd asked me six months ago, I would have told you no uh, way and how. But yeah. I, I'm absolutely convinced now that I will be healthy enough to enjoy yeah. life to the fullest as I age, and I'm really embracing that that concept. Um, but I, I agree with you. I love I live out in the mountains, and I'm still, like, even around my house, I walk around sometimes, see new flowers, and I just have to stand in awe of what nature can do because it wasn't there yesterday. That beautiful, big, bold, flowering bush was not there yesterday. Oh, my goodness, it's there today in all its beautiful vibrancy and life and, and color, and here I am, and that's, that's exciting to me. That's, And I wish people would look at life like that all the time.
4: And I think that really speaks to our ability to heal. That, you know, you look at a, a bush or a tree in the wintertime, and they sometimes look almost dead. But then they yeah. come out in the spring, right? That vibrancy is still there, even when it doesn't seem like it. That vibrancy is still there. That life is still there. And, you know, it just takes some warmth and some water, some nutrition to rekindle that. And for plants, that's often in the spring. But, you know, as human beings, I think we're so lucky that we can rekindle that life any time of the year that we want. At any age. Yes, and have such capacity to heal. I know I'm working with a woman right now who is almost 80, and she had some problems with her eyes a couple of years ago. And, you know, most people would think, you know, 78 years old, you know, you're not going to be able to recover, but she has, and... She tells me that she's feeling more comfortable driving. She can read more easily. The flowers, the colors seem brighter to her. Mm. And she's nearly 80. And
2: You're going to have to show me that trick because I have one eye that I'm losing sight in, so we'll talk later. <laughs> yes, definitely,
4: because there's so much potential. My My own story, when I was 28 years old, Um, I was living in Toronto and working as a freelance journalist and photographer. I found myself in an ophthalmologist's office getting a diagnosis of keratoconus. And the eye doctor in his white coat and impressive degrees on the wall said, you need to consider what your life will be like if you become blind because it's a genetic condition. And, you know, he said it's genetic and then said and so there's nothing you can do about it wow. and i ended up i ended up going to massage school in part because it's a profession that you can do whether you can see or not and fortunately for me while i was in massage school i learned about acupuncture and acupressure and nutrition and alternative energy medicine approaches, and within 10 years of that diagnosis, I was the director of vision services for a large complementary and alternative medicine clinic, and I would tell people, I'm the director of vision services because no one can tell me it doesn't work. And today, I have better vision than when I was 28, and I'm 55
2: yeah, we totally have to talk because we were yeah. actually just talking about that yesterday that, you know, I'm I'm so excited about the progress that I've made physically. I yes. I wake up almost every day pain free, whereas six months ago, you wouldn't have been able to convince me that that would be my reality. A diagnosis of fibromyalgia is, yeah. is to many people a death, sense, death sentence until you discover that you don't have to live that way. Um, right. But the eyesight thing really bothers me because I have one eye that no matter how much my body is healed, my eyesight hasn't improved at all. And Mm. and not that I'm scared of living blind, but I'm completely convinced now that nobody should live with disease. Right, Um, right. And so there has to be a way to fix it. You know what I mean? Like There has to be a way. I don't accept my doctor saying that you're losing your eyesight and that that eye is going to be blind in a few years. I don't accept that. That's not okay with me. There has right, to be a solution. Right,
4: and, and that for me was, there was a turning point. I was in massage school. I had I was taking a test. I had a wicked bad migraine and this big black spot in the middle of my vision. I literally had to move my head from side to side in order to see the test questions. And as I was riding the subway home, I just thought, this is not okay this is not okay, I have to find something that can help me. And that really set me on a journey of trying to find solutions for my own vision and migraines. I also had bronchitis. Um, And, you know, those options and those choices are out there. I'm convinced of that, that, that everyone can find solutions for themselves um, and can have the help and healing that they need. Absolutely. I have another client uh, right now who um, two years ago, a little more than two years ago, was diagnosed with Huntington's disease which is a, a brain and neurologic disorder. Um, and her doctor, her neurologist, told, said to her, within 10 years, not more, you'll be lucky if you can drink from a straw. I mean, just a horrendous thing. And two years after that diagnosis, she's walking better, she's speaking better, she's moving better, she has more energy, she's sleeping better. She's doing considerably better than she was two years ago. Um, And I just think, to me, that's malpractice, to predict a bad future for someone. um, When we none of us know the future, and so I figure we might as well predict a good one. Because if we're wrong, we're
1: wrong. But If you don't have something good to say, don't say but, anything at all.
4: Yes, exactly. I mean, it
1: sounds silly <laughs> to say that about doctors and medicine, but yes. um, I have been blessed with um, a neurologist who um, does not operate that way. In fact, um, I've had... Uh, neuropathy nerve damage in my legs uh, almost lost the ability to walk and uh, he's the one that helped me turn that around and i'm Mm -hmm. doing fairly well now and uh, apparently in costa rica i do great um -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um but and i'm five years into this uh, last december so five and a half years into this journey and I I remember about 2 years into it it seemed to me like I wasn't nothing was changing anymore and um I said to him I said well it it you know I I thought I wasn't going to be able to walk and I'm getting around okay I've moved kind of slow but you know if this is as good as it's going to get let's learn how to deal with this and he turned he snapped his head around and looked at me and he said listen here the body is a self-correcting system as long as we don't muck with it you're getting better, and that's all there is to it.
4: Yeah.
1: And sadly, that's missing often from and, – and and I suppose he, in his practice, he sees a tremendous number of people with MS that mm-hmm. he doesn't believe are going to get better, and lo and behold, they don't get better. And um, so his nurse finally told me one time, said, you're one of his favorite patients because you're actually going to get better. And, <laughs> you know, so he loves to come – you know for you to come in and see him because everybody else is you know gonna die and i remember saying something to him about dr terry walls that we had on the program right Uh, right and and he just you know uh i had made some great improvements across a you know visit period and he asked me what i was doing and i said i told him i was eating her diet and this and that and you know, had he heard of her and he said, he said, you know what I eat? I eat a lot of chocolate cake it uh. just, you know, I, I, that was the end of that. There was no room to come in for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so even with his, and, and like I say, I consider it a blessing. There's a lot of neurologists that would have just said, okay, we've got your, you know, prescriptions worked out to where you're not pain. Um, uh, you know, come see me in six months for refills and, We'll test your liver and make yeah. sure we haven't killed it with the prescriptions. Those are the ones. My online. neurologist
2: said I'd be in a wheelchair.
1: Yeah. So
2: I, I mean, there's the comparison. There's the comparison. You're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 30. Happy birthday, Merry Christmas, and all that.
1: Compared to you. Compared to shut up, you're getting better, and that's all there is to it. You know, I mean. Yeah. Give me a little doctor,
2: more shut up and get better.
1: <laughs> when your doctor's sitting there in his coat and tie, director of the department of hoo ha and all that, turns and looks at you and. Gives you what for like that. That's almost like, you know, you know you're know, you suddenly a little schoolboy in trouble. You know, yarp, yarp.
4: And I think there are getting to be more and more neurologists and other doctors who are becoming more open-minded and looking at alternatives because I think there's so much hopelessness within the medical system about people's ability to heal and recover that I think it's starting to affect doctors that are, you know, some doctors are starting to say, wait a minute, there has to be something. And they're starting to look around at uh, alternatives. I was at a, a conference uh, a few years ago that was called Bar on Fire, and it was all about... Um, Using nutrition to improve inflammation and heart related problems, and out of the something like four hundred people that were at the conference uh, about three quarters of them three of them were medical doctors and I just felt, found that so pertinent that that there were these doctors who were looking at, okay, so we have all these tests and things that we can do, but what else can we do? What can we do nutritionally or other uh, forms of of, uh, healing or medicine can we use? And so I think things are changing, and I think that, there are more doctors, this is my experience anyway, in interacting with doctors, that there are more doctors who, about the kind of work that I do, which is very alternative, um, I, th- I find that there are more doctors who are saying, I don't really understand what she's doing, but you should see her kind of thing.
1: Well, right? and So they're at least that,
4: open to it.
1: I think that each of us as individuals can help this sort of convergence of I call it the convergence of science as well um, because it's really all, all one thing so if they're doing for knowledge they're up there anyway and, and they're yeah. sort of getting to that point and but as patients is not there tends to be or so many stories of you know I finally told my doctors to hell with you and I <laughs> quit going to the doctor and I went over here to see the healer and there's no reason that there needs to be that division. There can be your health and wellness team. And,
2: Absolutely.
1: Because they all Absolutely. have was, things they do well.
2: That was the start of my success, and that's where I, I agree with you in that the system is changing because it was 10-some years ago that I was told that I would not, I'd be in a wheelchair in a few years. But it was five short years ago or four short years ago that I – had a relapse, and I used a team of healers. So I, I was still with my doctor and, and the medications mm-hmm. that um, I wasn't ready to, but I, my doctor was also aware that I was using energetic healing and nutrition, um, meditation, and all of these other quote-unquote alternative healings. And he was very much appreciative of the fact that I was using everything i could get my hands on to make myself better and he embraced that idea and he was yeah. he was also grateful that i was open with him about it and and so as part of the book that i wrote for that healing journey part of my message was like it has to be a communication between the western minded medical establishment and the Eastern-minded medical establishment and the alternative-minded medical establishments need to marry them all together. And, and whatever you have, whatever your medical situation is or your disease, disease is, you need to find a method that works for you because we are all unique. And so you need to not be afraid to try new things. And when that new thing doesn't work, then try something else. Um, just because one new thing doesn't work doesn't mean that the next new thing isn't going and, to work. So you need to keep searching and not give up. And you can feel it a lot of times.
1: You can feel it a lot of times. I, I remember when we, Gene and I were both were battling yes, absolutely. our nerve problems. I
2: think
4: that people, if they tune into their own bodies, they yes. can really feel. Um, what's helping them and what's not, and and can know what direction should they go further. What path should they go further along?
1: Well It's like the, finding Dr. Terry Walls. Gene uh, and I both were just like uh, uh, like starving people uh, suddenly in a cafe. We 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 were just eating up every drop of information and and. and on the edge of our seats. And that to me is the, is, is, can be a great indicator of their share. And, uh, we don't use it as a way to pull things apart, Put things together, people, you know, it's not a competition. It's a cooperation. Yeah. Right.
4: Right. The, a wonderful Japanese. Uh, Mount Fuji. And I think that's what we're after, right? We're, We're after that pinnacle of health or the top success in terms of our health and our lives. And we sometimes forget that there are many ways to get there.
1: Sorry. No, things happen. We have dogs and phones and
2: (laughs) (laughs) crickets and birds.
1: Yeah, my dad actually tried to call me a little bit ago. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I at least established for family what time we were on the air. Actually, um might make a
4: can,
1: uh, yeah. Time to take, take a quick brief musical break. break. And um, then when we get back, we want to talk about some of the websites and places where they can find out more about uh, the work that you do and uh, working with you. So um, how about some firebird uh, from our dear friend Inavi for the folks in the Phoenix Nest up there up north. And uh, we'll be right back, folks. Stay with us.
3: I am a snake.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Again, that was our dear friend, Ina V, with her song, Firebird. Big thanks to Ina and Howard for letting us have some music.
2: Absolutely. Well, she's she's not only an, an astounding artist, but um, she has this massive golden big heart, and she does such magical stuff with some of the proceeds from her music. So... Uh, I just love the fact that we get to play her stuff, but not only get to play it, but support her her endeavors Absolutely. in the plane of it.
1: So everybody, go visit her at uh, www.ena.ve. That's And check her out. And speaking of website addresses, and things, thingamajigs, what you call it, it. I'm running out of weird words, Jane.
2: Website <laughs> addresses, addresses, and things. I just call everything a thing, anyway. So which, you know those things. What's what's that thing Them over things. there? It's a thingy. How can um,
1: people? Uh, uh, I, I suppose your uh, they can get everything from your main website, uh, which is uh, the KimberlyBurnhamPhD.com.
4: Yes. That, that's the website to to get to everything, and if they look up uh, on their um, bicycling or Hazone, um, they'll get the link to uh, where there's all the information about my ride across the United States.
1: Absolutely. It's a, 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 going to be an amazing journey, I can tell, from the way that you're going into it.
4: I think so. I think I, it's going to be amazing. Uh, the other day, somebody said to me, wow, I can't even imagine doing that. And I said, yeah, I'm not sure if I can really imagine, but whatever it is, I'm sure it's going to be a meeting. And I just so look forward to the people that I'm going to, be to talk to and connect with and the the countryside and and just the experiences that I'll
2: be having. It's really so exciting, and I'm looking forward to, I hope you're going to be taking photos and, and yes, experimenting this journey. And, yes. and being that you are also an author, I'm hoping that someday yes. <laughs> um, we're going to get to hear about it or read about it. I I'd love, i you know, I'm, I know how much being an author it takes to put into a book, but I do hope that at some point you get some downtime because I'd love to read about the journey as well. I think that would make an outstanding book of of here's our country and wow, what a country it is.
4: <laughs> well, I definitely will be taking pictures and blogging, um, posting things as I go along. And what I'm planning to write in terms of a book is, It'll have something about sensational medicine in the title. And I really find, especially with the vision issues that I've um that really paying attention to our sensations, whether that's vision or hearing or taste, smell, touch, that tactile sensation, that there's a lot of healing that it can occur when we focus on how we're taking in the information about the world around us.
2: And what a beautiful way to to build that story up to its climax, really, is to, is to take this journey, because if yeah. you didn't have your eyesight, this would not be possible.
4: Absolutely, yes. Although they do have some interesting things for, they have tandem rides for people who are blind, so that the person oh, so can cool. actually have the experience of riding on a bicycle. And they're tandem, of course, because there's somebody who's sighted who uh, is on the front uh, steering. But the, they're pedaling and they're having that experience of being on a bicycle. So you know, there's um, some
1: the, interesting things like that, too. The sounds and smells, I bet, would be a sensational story yes. right there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I was just... About that, the sounds and the smells would be just. I mean, because we miss those us sighted people who um, who rely mostly on our sight. We do miss that part of our world, and you know, living out where I do, it's a part of our world that I cherish. That I really, I can't imagine not going to sleep with crickets at the end of my day and not mm-hmm. waking up to birds. You know what I mean? So, yes. uh, oh, yeah, so many different kinds when you've lost one of your senses, all the other senses are, are heightened. Um, so it would be a whole different way of quote-unquote e that journey, and that in itself would be a fascinating journey of discovery. Right, and
4: right. I, I know that in the literature it talks about, you know, that when one, one sensation decreases, the others heighten. But I think we can all bring consciousness into it and heighten, you know, each of our senses. We can heighten them as we bring consciousness and conscious awareness into them. And as I said, there's just so much healing in really paying attention to what our sensation, what our senses are telling us.
1: Absolutely. The the equipment's there. It's, yes. It's, it's how much we... Notice it. And uh, uh, it's it's part of that being present in the moment thing, you know, is there is so much going on. And I remember when I was a kid and I'm 50 years old, when I was a kid reading articles about, you know, well, your eyes are taking in X amount of information, but your brain ignores 90 percent of it. Right. Why? You know, maybe I can't see the whole other 90 percent, but I'm going to look, see what's out there.
4: Right. And I think some of it, as we consciously increase the way we take in sensation, we're also increasing the subconscious way we're taking in information. And we still are able to see opportunities and see experiences and see our way clear on the journey uh, much more clearly with both that conscious information, and then all the subconscious information that we're also taking in along with that
1: yeah, definitely what more. a beautiful
2: way to end the show and
1: then, uh, <laughs> it's one of those awe moments we we call it yeah, 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 it's
2: um, like yeah, that's um that's a whole lot of truth in in one short statement right there something for people to reflect on at the end of the show that um, I don't know how much to say after that. I really don't.
1: <laughs> right. That was, that was, we We sometimes do the, if you yeah. had one thing to say uh, and one minute to say it, what would you say? And it, There, we already got it. That's that
4: was
2: it. pretty much it. <clears throat> yeah, that was and, pretty
1: much uh, it. So, yeah. uh, we'll have links up on our archive that'll be up over the weekend. And, um, uh, we'll, uh, We'll try to keep track of you as you go because we wish you exciting adventures.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I certainly hope that we can get you back on the show when you get back.
4: Yeah, Um, thank you so much. I would love to do that. Because you've you've got radio shows
1: and and nerve whispering, and you've just got so many things that we couldn't talk about them all in an evening.
4: Yeah.
1: It's awesome. And thanks again for spending your evening with us. Yep. And who well, do we, we
2: certainly enjoyed it, and we mess, We wish you so many blessings on your journey, and thank you so much for 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 taking that journey. Um, you know, for those of us who aren't quite there yet, <laughs> it's, it's heartening to know that there's people out there doing it, um, and that's awesome. And you want to know who we have got? every day?
1: Well, okay. well Day is one of those we don't know days. We were talking about how cool it is. To be um, That's one of those weird it, days.
2: It, is, it is very cool um, We'll have confirmation For those of you who keep an eye on our calendar On our Facebook page We should have confirmation by tomorrow night um, For those of you looking at the calendar But the date is currently out To Brian O'Neill And we are certainly hoping That we can get him back Because he was an absolutely outstanding so Guest and Just an incredible individual awesome, awesome personality Awesome amazing, um, and, and I guess next week is kind of the week of returns.
1: Right, <laughs> Cause I was going to because Wednesday is a return. Angela Mandato will be return. back with us.
2: Yep, she's going to be talking about her, her very soon. Oh my goodness, it's June already, so she's going to be leaving soon for, for another one of her um, shamanic journeys to Peru. To Peru. <laughs> Peru, yeah, year. I'm going there someday. Maybe next year. <laughs> so
1: that cool was one now. of those. We had to do the Costa Rica thing first. We're easing back in, for people. after Easing back in. Yeah,
2: trip totally. Trip. But, I mean, one of these days I'm going to be tripping around Peru with Angela Mondado. I have I have a vision of that. And it's she, going you to know, come she through. does um,
1: this cheesy business of, you know, you go to Machu Picchu because it's a spiritual site, and she brings along a tour guide. Of course, he used to be the head archaeologist of the Machu Picchu excavation. So, you know, she's not fooling around.
2: <laughs> no, no, she's definitely not messing around. If you you want to um, hear a whole lot of truth about about some of the shamanic practices that you would uh, experience while over there, uh, that's the show for you. Um, she's she's got some some crazy insights into how things are really done um, when you get down and dirty in the jungle and, and, then, and do it the way it's meant to be done. <laughs> and
1: then Thursday we have. Uh uh Shana Home who is an author and shaman so we're And we're, a shaman so it's a week it's, of shaman yeah. and re, and returns.
2: It's it's a week of shaman and healing and returns and um so so you know in light of um the moon phases and the lunar eclipses, and the intense solar flares, and the energetics that we know people have been healing last week, and especially this last weekend, which has been intense for many of you. We understand that because we felt it too. Many we? It's a fantastic, fantastic week for everybody. I mean, we got tonight's guest talking about there are no limits really to healing. You can heal anything. Um, and then we've got two people coming on the heels of that say, absolutely, <laughs> here's our experience with that as well. So this is a, it's a week of healing, perfect week to tune in. That's great.
1: Right. So listen, have a wonderful night. Have a wonderful weekend. Join us on Tuesday to see who shows up as our guest. And until then. <laughs>
2: To our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected.
1: Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Connection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.
0: See Jared.com slash pricematch for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today, and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash pricematch for details.